my soul. Ah, glory to God. Hallelujah. I do want to encourage you. We are fasting uh, starting Sunday night. Well, we start, I start Sunday morning, but uh, uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And if you want to join us, you certainly are welcome. Uh, pastors will be coming uh, from across the United States, and we're going to be having a great time. They're going to be here sacrificing. And uh, so if you just join us, and uh, keep them lifted up in prayer. Just ask that God will visit them and give them revival because that's what they're coming for. They're believing God for revival. So uh, join us, if you will, uh, that Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and we usually go up to Wednesday at 3 o'clock, and then we usually break that as we come together and break bread together, uh, the pastors and, and some of the staff. So please, if you... Uh, want to, which I don't know why you would, but it would be nice if you would make that sacrifice. Hallelujah. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We're going to read from uh, verse 7 down through verse 11. And uh, we are talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, so we're going to talk about the discerning of spirits and... Uh, you may not think that this gift is important, but it is vitally important for our life and those that are around us. Uh, starting in verse 7, it says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same spirit to another the gift of healing by the same spirit to another the working of miracles to an, to another prophecy to another discerning of spirits and to another diverse kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues but all these worketh that one and the self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he wills now we're going to talk tonight about the discerning of spirits and uh, let's go before we do let's go to hebrews 4 12 because there is the remember that the spirit and the word agree and so they are never at contention one with another hebrews 4 12 gives us the uh an insight to that we as Christians can discern spirits and we can discern doctrines and so forth because of the word of God that we have in Hebrews 412 it says and the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, that word discerning simply means that the Word of God gives us the ability to divide, to separate that which is uh, human, that which is spirit, that which is evil, that which is good, that which is false, and that which is true. The discerning of spirits is a little different. It makes a distinction or it separates from natural things and spiritual things it makes one aware it makes one aware 
or conscious of something that is around them. It causes us to see, or as it were, it opens our eyes to see that which really exists. And so that is a discerning of spirit. It enables man or woman to discover or to discern what's behind activity or what's behind the motivation or what's behind an individual's activity. And so here's kind of what it would happen. God is in this place. Now, God is with us all the time. Uh, we know that the devil is around us. But if I said, hey, where's God? You couldn't say, oh, he's right over there. But there are also angels in this building because we have angels encamped around about us. Now, when we, let's just say in a worship service, we start worshiping God and somebody gets goosebumps. And we say, oh man, the presence of the Lord. Did God just come in? No. God was here before you got here. Amen? Amen? He's everywhere. But this lifting, as it were, of the natural senses enables a man to become aware or to be touched by that which is here. In other words, if the discerning of spirits goes into operation, you could see angels. You could see angels. They're all over the place. Uh, if discerning of spirits went in, you would be able to see demons. If the discerning of spirits went into activity or in operation, you would be able to see glimpses of the glory of God. And so God is here, but the only thing that keeps us from experiencing being awakened or aware or even being touched by his presence is the gift of discerning of spirits. So when you feel the presence of God, why, what is happening? All of a sudden, God came into your car or into your conversation? No, God was there all the time. But what God does is the gift of discerning of spirit allows you to be awakened or made aware or to see visibly or to be consciously aware without question that there is a God or an angel or even a devil. Even uh, uh, those things you can see or you can experience, you could feel their presence. So that's what discerning of spirits are. Uh, is it important? Absolutely it's important. I think that it's one of the major gifts that the church needs to operate on. We understand that the Bible tells us in 1 John 4, 1, 2, 3, and 4, that we are to try the spirits. In other words, the devil can make himself appear as an angel of light. How can you tell the difference? How, how can you tell what is God and what is the devil? The only way you can do that is by either looking and taking the scripture and looking at it like through a glass and seeing it magnifying or if it doesn't show up like that it takes the discerning of spirits that your eyes your senses are lifted and you see into a realm that is real but a realm that you're unaware of in your own natural senses so the discerning of spirits is very important because we have to prove spirits. 
Don't believe everything that comes your way. Amen? Just don't be, don't be uh, gullible. Take time, pray, fast, find out what's going on. Now, the discerning of spirits is not a spirit of suspicion. You know, some people think that, that you know, well, I just don't feel right around them. Well, maybe that's because you have the wrong heart. <laughs> that's how I would interpret You don't feel wrong, right around me. There's something wrong with you. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, but what we want to understand is not a spirit of suspicion. Don't get suspicious of everybody. I mean, they, that is just way overboard. And what you want to do is be open. You don't have to judge everybody comes up you say hi you know come on let at least be accessible and usable by by god in your life now one probably one of the major uh scriptures that we can use is found in acts the 16th chapter you'll go over there acts the 16th chapter this is a story about paul and silas and of course the end result is that they get thrown in jail and we're going to look at let's go down to uh, where are you here it's 16 all right 16 16 it came to pass as we went to prayer a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met uh, with the spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show us the way of salvation. Sounds pretty honest to me, don't it? I mean, wouldn't you tell, hey, man, praise God, this is the guy that prayed for me and, and I, I got healed. Oh, wow, man, these guys preach the gospel. I heard it. That, well, it all sounds great, except you can't go by everything that you hear and you can't go by everything you see. And it says, and this she did many days, but Paul being grieved, being grieved, in uh, grieved, turned and said unto the spirit. Somebody say the spirit. So he's not even dealing with a woman. He's dealing with the Spirit. And you have to realize, remember I've, I've said many times that when you're fighting sickness and disease, you aren't fighting God. You aren't even fighting your own body. You're fighting the devil. There is a spirit involved. And if you don't see sickness and disease as something that is your enemy, then you'll always give place to it. But you can't treat it like your friend. You can't treat it as if it's just, well, that's just how life is. You have to realize that there is a spirit behind this of sicknesses and disease. And now there are natural things, of course, like I got a cold or you did this or did that. You got crazy one night and your wife ran you out of the house and you forgot your clothes, which actually happened to me one time. And I was locked out of my house sitting in my yard and I started a little fire to keep warm, and all I had on was my pajama bottoms, no shoes, no shirt, and all my neighbors were gone. What'd you do? I burned a pile of shingles, buddy, to keep warm. 
Finally, when they come on and say, my word, where have you been? She said, well, we told you we were going to where so, and so I think, well, my word, buddy, let me tell you something. I have keys around my house. <clears throat> and if not, I have a code to the garage that I can get a hammer and I'm getting in. But I'm not starting no fire sitting out in the middle of my yard, people driving by and me being heated by a bunch of, of asbestos shingles no more. Absolutely not, buddy. I'm done with that life. And, and then it says in this, she did this many days. And uh, Paul turned and said to the spirit and commanded, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came, and he came out the same hour. Now he commands the spirit to come out of her. Now certainly that loses all gain, her ability to do divination and to do sorcery. Now it stops that. Why? Because there is a spirit behind that that enables people to do it. Amen? And so when you're going to the fair, you think, oh, I'm going to get my palm read, read. You're, you know what you're doing is stepping into a tent where there is a devil waiting for you. Yeah, that, that's what you're doing. So here we see that there is a discerning of the spirit. And it's important that we operating that discerning. If you go to Leviticus, the uh, 20th chapter and verse 27, <clears throat> because we are living in a world that has polluted itself with spiritual activity. And it is spiritual activity that is contrary to the gospel. But the problem is, every time somebody goes to raise their voice, the pressure from those that belong to the devil or those that are uh, familiar or those that are in relationship with spirits that are not of God always rise up. And there's a lot of pressure if you're going to stand for truth. And so we have to understand that when we would lift our voice and say, that's not God. Well, Lord, you, you would just get attacked. You would just absolutely get attacked. And now I'll say this very, I'm what, yeah, I'll say it very, uh, just to get a point across. Uh, the Catholic Church can refuse to marry you. And nobody says one thing. If I would refuse to marry a gay couple, lesbian couple, or even two people, if I just said, I'm not marrying you because one saved and the other saved, at least Catholics got something going for them. They believe if you're not a Catholic, you ain't marrying somebody that's not a Catholic. If you're a Catholic, you're marrying a Catholic. Whether you like it or not, you ain't getting married. Now, the Bible tells us the very same thing, that we are only to marry in the Lord, but, you know, we're smarter than God, and we marry everything under the sun. And the reason your kids are going to do that is because you've never laid down any guidelines 20 years ago. You let them run the rough shot over you. I'm going to finish this, and I'm getting off this. And uh, you run rough, they run rough shot over you. You always give in to them. And now you're going to want them. Well, you shouldn't do that. They're not in the Lord. Your kid's probably not even in the Lord. I'm not judging. I'm just making an observation. Well, I'm, uh, I believe I'm going to win him to Jesus. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. The Bible says you marry them, you'll worship their gods. They'll never worship your God. 
So don't think you can do what God has already told you you can't do. Move right along. But if we did it, if I did that, the newspaper would be here. And I would be on the broiler, buddy. Absolutely. But the Catholic Church does it all the time, and it's accepted by the world. But if the body of Christ tries to do that, they get on the front page. Pastor refuses to marry people in love. No, we don't. I don't. No. Hallelujah. So we just have to understand that that stuff is going to happen, and we have to deal with it. Jesus said this, that in the last days, when the church is taken out and tribulation comes such as never been, that they're going to begin to say, here's the Christ, there's the Christ, here's the Christ, there's the Christ. In other words, there's going to be all this spiritual activity, but there's only one true Christ. Where are all the other Christ coming from? Demonic spirits working and influencing humanity. Amen. And today, if you say, oh, you know, uh, uh, this is not of God, or, you know, uh, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, Catholics, uh, you know, their doctrine is wrong. Everybody gets mad at you for pointing out an error. And I'm not talking about just an error. I'm talking about a real doctrinal error. Like Catholic Church per, uh, preaching purgatory. What a, what a hopeless lie. So you get to die and you get a second chance. You don't get no second chance. The Bible said to be absent with the, uh, from the body is to be present with the Lord or you're going to end up in hell. Either way, there is no purgatory. You say, but I'm Catholic and I believe in it. You can believe in flying unicorns. They don't exist. Now I'll tell you the foundation of, the, of Catholicism's belief in purgatory. God so loved the world. Just go to any Catholic Bible, open it up, and it'll tell you what it said. Do you know that the Pope is the only person in the world that they believe that speaks for God? They don't believe you speak, a a preacher speaks for God. They believe the Pope speaks for God, and what he says is as authentic and credible as this written word. Yeah. Well, we know that's wrong, but if you say it, you're going to get fried in emails. But, but the thing of it is, the church is so in, in filtered with the world's spirits that they don't want to hear anything that is against anybody else. Somebody said, well, well why do you preach against that? I'm not preaching against anything. I'm preaching for the truth and so if it makes what you are believing wrong then it's wrong amen well are are all catholics going to hell no i think there are probably phyllis and i know some great catholics that have given their life to christ and really lived for jesus that's like saying are all christians going to heaven (laughs) a remnant not the whole garment, a remnant. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you, but we cast out devils in your name. Oh, that's tough. We laid hands on the sick, they raised from dead. That's tough. Get out of here, I don't know you. Depart from me. 
So, you know, look, we're all working out our own salvation. But you, you can't just let error go all over the world and us be in a little cocoon and not say anything against it or get upset because it's addressed out of the pulpit. The body of Christ overall is very offendable. Let me tell you why. Because the love level of the church for Christ, for Christ, not for mankind, for Christ, and that does diminish your love relationship with men and women. But when your love for Christ dwindles, you want to be accepted by everybody. Jesus said, take heed. When they talk good of you, know this. There's something wrong with your thermometer. Amen. Thank you, hallelujah. I think I heard that one woman that's just about ready to slip into death say, amen, brother. Yeah, see, I'm just telling you that this love, and you want to say, oh, no, we love everybody. Listen to me. Let me say this to you. You can't love everybody. Because God so loved the world and gave his son, but God only loves those that keep his commandments. Now, I just gave your scripture a whole mouthful of it. And you're going to spit it out, and you're going to say, well, that's just not true. We're just going to get along with everybody. No, we aren't. No, absolutely not. No, we're, we're not going to get along with Buddhists. We're not going to get along with Hindus. Now, I'm very temperate, and I let them believe what they want to believe. But I am not going to acknowledge that they're going to heaven. And if you do, you need a, your brain screwed someplace. Amen. Amen. How dare you accept them and know they walk in unrighteousness and separate from God, yet you say that you're a Christian. You can't do that. Amen. Absolutely not. Well, I'm just talking about discerning of spirits, but I'm telling you that spirits, all types of spirits are infiltrating the church. And the reason that they infiltrate the church is because of the love of the church towards Christ they don't want anybody to be corrected they don't want anybody to not be accepted listen we have basic foundational rules about our church and if you are not born again receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and abide by the scriptures you cannot be a member here now you can come, you can come, you, you can be a homosexual. Hey, you can come, come. All, every homosexual in the world can come here. But you can't be a member because you can't be born again Amen. until you denounce the hidden works of darkness. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I didn't know our church believed that. Well, where in the world have you been going? <laughs> you can't be a member of our church and be living with a, a woman or a man. You'd be surprised how many people end up leaving the church after being here too much because we discover they got two separate names and the same address. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. As soon as you confront them, they get mad. Well, we, we, well, well, what? You're a Christian. Yep. Well, you offended them. Well, what did you want me to do? Did you want me to be like you? Did you just want, well, just whatever, just come bring your whoremongers and whores. Well, come join us today. No, absolutely not. 
But the church has this perverted spirit that's infiltrated into the church where the church despises the correction and the chastisement of God against sin. I've had people in our church write me notes and say, Pastor, when you're done preaching on sin, please call us. We'll come back. I, I wish that that was just one thing to think. But there's lots of people that just don't want to hear about sin. But it's my job to warn you because you know what? At the end of the days, if sin has been dominant in your life, you're not going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But see, this spirit, that this multi-pluralistic God mentality has got to stop in the church. And this is the work of a familiar spirit. Where do we get familiar spirits from? We get them from the workplaces, from television, newspapers, ideas, uh, idealism. Uh, we get them from colleges. We get them from our education systems. And what we do is we are bombarded with this stuff so that every time you think that there is a single, single, plural God that you are counted the oddball. And we get that every place that we're at. You know, you can go to a workshop and they, they now have, they don't have prayer rooms, they have meditation rooms. I go to airports all the time, I'm going through them. They have a place for Muslims to pray. They ain't got no place for me to pray. Yeah. But we don't say anything. Oh, well, we're, we're Christians. We, no, no we're, we're Christians. We're, we are mice. What we are. We just won't even speak up for our own rights. You think, well, well it'll be okay. No, it won't be okay because you're kids. You think it's going to be okay? Look in the 70s when prayer was taken out of school. It is not okay. But... Hindus and Muslims can have prayer time, but your kids can't. Somebody ought to stand up, scream, and pee on the carpet. The Bible says in Leviticus 20, 27, a man, a man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death and they shall stone them with stones and their blood shall be upon them. What is a familiar spirit? Familiar spirit is a spirit, the word familiar comes from the word father. The word father in the uh, Hebrew means place of production. In other words, a familiar spirit is a place where the seed process of duplicating themselves is born. It comes from a word, it means a pro-trim, it's P-R-O-T-R, 
I am I O N. And it means the starting point of something, the breeding ground, the opening of something that will flourish. <clears throat> now, a familiar spirit is what we are dealing with in America. It is a spirit that now, in our generation, openly defies the faith of Christianity, openly rubs our face in the defilement of our nation. Familiar spirit. Someplace it came in, and instead of somebody standing up for their faith, somebody stood up and said, well, you know, we ought to let them do what they want to do in our country. And so they gave it over. They forgot everything about in God we trust. They forgot everything about George Washington's prayers. They, they forgot everything why we came to America for religious freedom. Say, yeah, but, but they have religious freedom. Well, please, let me tell you something. Name me 20 countries that you can go to and have Christian freedom. Just name me 20. Well, you're going to go to Iraq? There is no freedom. Go ahead and try to be a Christian in Iraq. They'll kill you and not even put you in jail. Look, you can't just go to other countries. Why? Because other countries, most of them are built upon some type of religious foundation. And they protect that religious foundation, and we invite the destruction of ours. Familiar spirit. It started someplace. And it is constantly being reinforced in our school system, education system, workplaces. Our workplaces. And so we have to be careful that we don't get blindsided and get brought into this familiar spirit. Now, familiar spirits also, I believe, is a foundation of what you would call or I would call a generational curse. A familiar spirit gives birth to a way of thinking, a way of talking, and a way of acting. Now remember Jesus said that when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, that he goes about into dry places. Remember, devils don't come out of hell, and you can't send them there. Jesus will take them there but you can't send them there. And then it tells us that the unclean spirit goes out and he walks about in dry places and he goes out and he recruits. Now that ought to tell you something, that spirits are progressive in their activity to gain strength and dominance in people's lives. Little leaven leaveneth the whole bunch. That's why it's important you don't let small things get in you and you think that you're not going to be tainted. You're going to become corrupt. Oh, righteousness will. Righteousness will become corrupt. Why? Because Paul said, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little leaven does not become unleavened. It doesn't become unleavened. It's impossible. 
You can't reverse the progressive work of a seed. And so a familiar spirit starts something in a family. Let me answer this. How many people, who in here is old? Oh, you guys, oh, Lord, gee, money, you, good night. Uh, who's 80? You, you guys 80? All right, how, he's saying, I ain't 80, I'm 16, man. All right, let me ask you something. When you were a teenager, how many people had heart attacks? No, no, I'm asking your mom and dad. I, not you, Lord, you ain't even dry behind the ears yet. How long? How many? Did you hardly ever hear of anybody having a heart attack? People didn't even have, hardly have heart attacks 70 years ago. Now it's an epidemic. It is a mass multi-billion dollar industry. Who used to have bypasses? Pigs when they were experimenting on them. Now, everybody is going to have a bypass. What's happening? A familiar spirit. Generations didn't deal with it, so now what happens? It becomes familiar, readily acceptable, expectant, talked about. You go into a doctor's office, here, would you fill this out and let us know what all your parents have so that we can presume that if you have any symptoms, you already got it. Come on. And what we do is we say, oh, really? I went to a doctor here in town. Thank God he closed the door. He, he said, oh, my wife watched you on TV all the time. So he gave me a test. He said, well, you got a, a multiple sclerosis or muscular dystrophy, whichever one. I come out and went home, Phil said, what did he say? I said, well, it ain't important. I ain't going back to him. <laughs> he didn't know anything that he was talking about. Because my legs jump when I sleep. <laughs> I had muscular dystrophy? Absolutely not. I use those same legs to walk out of that office and say I ain't going back. Come on, give me a break. But the, what happens is we get this familiar spirit that has entered in to this nation and then man tries to deal with it with medicines with operations and you can't deal with spiritual things like that now here's what happens so your child grows up and they begin to expect they expect what well dad had this i'm gonna have it well, you know, your, your, your mom had, uh, uh, you know, sink and I. That's probably what's going to happen to you. I see that thing changing. You're, that's how it happened to your mom. Yeah, I, I know, man. I'm going to get, I feel getting heavy right now. Yeah. And you start talking about it. What are words, doorways, thresholds to spiritual activity? 1 Corinthians 14, 10. So now we have this familiar spirit going on. Now, the good thing about Christians is we get smart. And we start realizing this is not God. 
I have been healed by the stripes of Jesus. God didn't put this on me. I'm drawing a line. I am not going to be my dad. And you can break that. Now, you can call it curse. You can call it whatever you want. But what you are doing is garnishing your life so that when that presence comes, you aren't even aware that it's following you or that it's involved in your life. Now, I'm not saying that we don't, hey, well, I'm the first, nobody ever had a bypass in my family. I had it. Then start telling your kids, start right now. I ain't never having heart problems. I'm never going to have a bypass. I'm going to have a strong heart. I'm going to do this. Start telling your kids to do that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sweet Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, let's, uh, hmm. let's go to uh, 2 Samuel 16 and verse 5. 2 Samuel 16, 5. Now remember that spirits or familiar spirits or any type of spiritual activity is progressive. It doesn't just start overnight. It starts in seed form. Oh, I said Second Samuel 16. Chapter. Let me find Second Samuel. Uh, also, go to uh, keep your finger here at Second Samuel 16, and go to First Samuel. I think it's the tenth chapter. I'm going to read out of Second uh, Samuel 16 and verse five. Where then came to pass forty years? Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. Uh, oh, man, I think that's the wrong scripture. Sorry, guys. All right, let's go to 1 Samuel, the 10th chapter. I want to show you the, uh, how do I want to say this? Uh, spirits are, are progressive, but they are also contagious. Let's use that word, contagious. And that's why we need to make sure and let's go down, and what we're going to do is find uh, where David, where Saul comes away from Samuel, and he runs into a group of prophets. And what happens to Samuel? He turns into another man. Let's, uh, let me find here. I probably should have wrote down for you. What at 10, 10? Oh, 9? All right, let's... Uh, in uh, 1 Samuel 10, 9. And if it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither and to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him, and the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them. 
Now, when did the Spirit of God come upon him? When he got around them. Now, you might say, well, well, that's common. Well, if that is true, then when Saul rebelled, when he rebelled against God, a spirit of rebellion, then an evil spirit came upon Saul. The only way that that spirit could be driven out was by music through the psalmist David. Now, if music can attract a spirit or drive a spirit out, music will attract spirits. Why? Because what's happening is they are creating or garnishing the mentality, the lifestyle, the thinking of a man, a woman, or a child, or a teenager. And so you that are still listening to Led Zeppelin, you're filling your kids with that stupid trash. Huh? Oh, now don't get on Led. I'm already on him. And you listen to country and western, and you wonder why your kids want to live in a trailer. I'm not, there's no, I think that there are great songs in country and western. You know, I, we call them ditties. Phyllis and I'll be, I'll tell her, quit singing that ditty. It'll get in your heart. It'll get in your head. And you'll be singing, I hate elevators. That, you know, I can't in heart. We'll tell on you. You start singing that stuff. Well, if words mean anything, you're headed for a cheating heart. Right? You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. Four hungry children and a crop in the field. My favorite is, thank God and Greyhound, she's gone. Uh, Look, spirits, David separated the evil spirit from Saul. Could he invite that evil spirit back? Absolutely. By praying Galilean hip-hop. Hey, could you rap me a hip-hop Galilean song? Went to the donkey barn. Ain't none there. What, could you do me something? Oh, no, Galilean hip-hop. Okay. But now, do you see how we... Now, now just think. Hip-hop comes with its own culture. Remember, we talked about this months ago about kingdoms, and one of them is music entertainment, kingdoms that are set up. How did hip-hop get started? By a seed. By a familiar spirit. Then it comes in, now it creates, for most part, a very violent under culture. Wear their hats wrong, pants pulled down. You know, we used to call them plumbers. Now we call them in style. You know, you see somebody's pants hanging down. What's, Papa, why's he got his pants down? I always tell the grandkids, they're training to be a furnace man or a plumber. And so now we have this whole culture that is what? Totally perverted and totally separated 
into degrading women, talking against parents, rebelling, talking openly about violence against authority and policemen, and it's all making millions of dollars and perverting our culture. What is that? That is a familiar spirit. And it comes into our world, it comes into our schools, and it's, now it's permeating our churches. Look, I'm not a fuddy-duddy. I mean, I, I like cool stuff. That's why I like myself. And, but, look, I don't think that we have to be so perverted that you forget that God is the center of every man's universe. I don't think that. And I think that we need to make sure that we stay with basic doctrines that are unquestionable and undeniable. And we are having churches. Uh, I, I heard a, a, a thing today. A guy read a list, and a pastor put the ad in the newspaper. Come to this church. We don't believe in God. He's a pastor. He's pastoring people, and he says, come to this church. We don't believe in God. Why would I come to church? I mean, he had this ad in the paper. Come to our church. We don't believe in God. Come to the godless church. Now you say, oh, that's just plain stupid. Really? Isn't that what the atheist movement is doing right now? Yes, absolutely. What is that? A familiar spirit. A familiar spirit. We were talking about an evangelist that, that was well known and uh, during this great revival he was having, he was having an affair. And in the great revival, he was found out. <laughs> and, uh, and he said himself, well, people are getting on me because I'm not preaching Jesus here, here under the big tent. He said, look, you get to hear about Jesus on Sundays. I don't have to preach about him. I'm thinking, well, why are we here? To hear you? To see your tattooed body? What are we here for? To see how, just how weird people can get and how stupid we can be to sit here waiting to give you an offering and you're not even talking about Jesus? Yeah, it, it's amazing. This stuff is going on all over the place and it is a familiar spirit. I have, I went to a, uh, what was that? Not men's retreat, uh, uh, but it had everything to do with men. Uh, what was it? Promise keepers. I was there for three days. And then, oh, God, what a great deal. I heard about sailing across the waters of life and how to deal with waves. Jesus wasn't even in the message. Then I heard about how that, you know, it doesn't matter how anybody takes communion, just as long as, you know, people take it. Wrong. And I just heard all of this stuff. So 
next time they want to buy me a ticket, they, hey, do you want to go? No, absolutely not. Why would I go to something so empty and stupid? But we get to be a part of something. <laughs> Join the club of Shelby Oaks. Go there. But don't get involved in stupid stuff. Amen? Now, look, I'm all for having Christ, but you, we, have, we are gospel people. Amen? We're not the entertainment world. I'm not an entertainment segment of the body of Christ. I don't owe you entertainment. I owe you the truth. I don't owe you a comfortable seat. I owe you the truth. I don't owe you a congregation that, that never does any wrong. I owe you the truth. I can't govern what everybody says to you. I owe you the truth. I can't govern how you respond to everybody. I owe you the truth. I can't govern how everybody responds to you. I owe you the truth. I can't govern that they took your parking place instead of realizing that you had to have it. I am called to preach the truth. I can't govern where they sit. I am called to preach the truth. So we have got to realize that, you know what, there are certain things we have to do and certain things we better wake up to. Because all of this stuff together is weakening, not making you better and not making you stronger, is weakening you as a church and as a Christian. Well, hallelujah. I only got three more minutes, honey, and we're getting out of here before we release them. And... Uh, Familiar spirits are born. They are progressive, and spirits are contagious. They are contagious. Because what happens is the man or woman that has a spirit, and you run around with them, guess what? You'll start acting like them, talking like them, thinking like them, doing like them. And you know what you'll do? You'll garnish your life. I'm telling you, that devil will come in, and you'll be bound and you'll have more headaches, buddy, than you do if you're going through menopause. Do you have headaches going through menopause? No. You just I, are a headache. I, oh, you cause headaches, but you don't have headaches. I cause them. You cause them, okay. I knew there was headaches in there somewhere. I'm, <laughs> so uh, I was just thinking I was just suffering with her. I guess it's just I'm suffering because of her. And uh, so, so we have to wake up now listen folks i'm telling you this these familiar spirits they are infiltrating your children they're coming through their friends they're coming through music they're coming through this they're coming through that they're coming through games they're coming through television and we have got to tighten it up because familiar spirits appear like angels of light so unifying, so committed. They're, they're just full of love. So we're hippies. Amen. Now, listen, we have got to be, and I'm not trying to be, I'm not, listen, I'm not against anything, but I am for Jesus. Amen. 
And I'm going to be dogmatic for him. And so I'm, I'm tolerant of people. I really am. I, I'm tolerant of people. But I will not be silent and I will not condone or agree with them. I'm not going to do it. The other day, did, now this happened in, in a quote-unquote Christian family. One of our uh, campus pastors uh, was asked to do a funeral. So he called me and said, hey, pastor, should I do this? I said, well, tell me the story. He said, well, you know, they were Christian, but then the dad become a Hindu. Now the son kills himself, and his mother's a Christian. She wants me to preach a Christian funeral, but first they're going to give the first uh, half hour, 45 minutes, to the Hindu priest. And I said, if I was you, buddy, I'd go preach it. Hallelujah, absolutely, I'd preach Jesus. And, uh, you know, uh, he come in and the Hindu priest started lighting scents and putting out fruits and vegetables and the Hindu guy, God never showed up to eat nothing. So I, I told the pastor, I said, you pick it up and eat it yourself. <laughs> I don't think I can do that, pastor. I said, I sure you can. He said, what would you do? I said, I wouldn't do it, but I'm telling you, I would. <laughs> Go ahead, do it, pick it up and say, oh, the Godi Hindu, thank you. <laughs> so they bring it on down. He's got 15 minutes to preach. They said, you got 15 minutes preach I said don't mention the kid's name you don't know where he's at heaven or hell you have no idea I said but what you can do is preach Jesus alive and say if I was this young man if I was in heaven or hell this is what I'd say and he preached the gospel for 15 minutes gave an altar call and every Hindu in that place on this side of the funeral home stood to their feet and prayed the prayer of repentance. Hopefully that Hindu idiot of a priest was there too and passed out that food to the poor. Now, I'm just telling you, this stuff is everywhere. It's dividing homes. It's drawing people away from Christ. You think, oh, well, they're Christian. They're okay. No, they aren't. No, absolutely not. Christians can be deceived. Paul said, Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who hath bewitched you? Come and preach with a familiar voice, and now you've turned to another gospel. Don't tell me it can't be done. It's been done all over the world. So we need the discerning of spirits in our life. We're going to be talking about this for a couple of weeks, so hallelujah. Praise God. Stand your feet. Phyllis, you get to the door and get the car started. <laughs> hallelujah. Phyllis and I did just move. We, we live right down here on East Main Street in Bachman 405. So if you want to go and yell at that house, go ahead. And uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, open up our eyes. Let us see God. Let us be able to discern. Let us be able to divide and make a distinct division between what is God and what is not. That God, we can discern that which is right and that which is wrong. Let us not, God, fall in and be deceived. Open up our eyes. 
give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation knowledge in you that God we will know the hope of our calling Holy Ghost lead us lead us so that we can walk in the sonship that Christ has given to us open up our eyes God open up our senses God let us not be people that fall and break and run to the right or to the left but let us hold the course and at the end of the days we can say we finished our course and we have absolutely kept the faith now God we ask these things and I ask God that this gift of discerning of spirits God that you would activate it in the lives of those of this church activate God and loose the discerning of spirits into their life in Jesus name amen and amen praise God see you Sunday morning hallelujah